Hey, it's Adam here, and I want to tell you where you can get more free sex and how you can support the podcast. I'm building a kind of hub for the project on Substack. It's just freesex.substack.com. I'm publishing transcripts for all episodes there for free and occasional writings about free sex for subscribers only. Plus, you can interact with me and stuff like that. To make this podcast, I'm relying on contributions from listeners. My indie podcast company, Artnell, has invested in getting it going, and I'm paying my guests. But the only way I can fund it from now is with support from people like you, who subscribe at freesex.substack.com. Or you can just continue listening to the podcast for free and using the transcripts on the Substack if you need them. Thanks for joining me as we edge ever closer to a world of free sex. This episode contains stories and discussion of ableism. What does free sex mean to you? Do you ever think you'd have more sex or better sex if only you could change one thing? What is that thing? I'm Adam Smith, a writer, podcast producer, walker, talker, thinker, wanker. (laughs) I started having sex at 29. 29! And I've been obsessed ever since. Now I'm on a mission to find out how, as a society, we hold each other back in sex. What could a world of free sex look like? For me, free sex is a world with more places to fuck and without sexually transmitted infections. How about you? What are you into? Every episode, I speak to a different human with a unique idea for what free sex could mean. This podcast is fully pansexual and gender fluid. From mild to wild, everyone is welcome. Let's go. My guest in this episode is Andrew Gerza. I came into contact with Andrew's work when I was co-producing an Audible original podcast series called Press Play Turn On, which is all about audio porn. Andrew is a disability awareness consultant, the host of a podcast called Disability After Dark, and the co-founder of Bumpin, which is a company that makes sex toys for disabled people. Andrew's also dabbled in porn. I mean, at this point, who hasn't? (laughs) I wanted to speak to Andrew on free sex because they're dedicated to the same thing as me, removing the barriers that hold people back from the sex they want. And one of the biggest barriers is ableism, which is discrimination that favours people who, like me, are able-bodied. It's able-bodied people and ableism that holds back disabled people from having the sex they want. So here's my interview with Andrew. Andrew, welcome to Free Sex. Hello, thank you for having me. (laughs) And as you know, my big question is, what does free sex mean to you? Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) I I knew that was the question, but it's still such a big question. Right. Um, Free free sex means sex devoid of ableism, sex free from discrimination, sex free from barriers. Right. Sex free from paywalls, sex free from uh, 
so many different things. Yeah. But for me, really, for me as a disabled sexual being, sex, free sex is just really free from ableism is the one that I'll touch on. Right. Okay. So let's go, let's go into that then. Um, I mean, first of all, tell me a bit more, um, especially for, you know, able-bodied listeners, you have to speak to them all the time and explain this to them. So do that for us, please, if you would. Yeah. So if you're listening and you don't know what ableism is, ableism is the discrimination against disabled people in favor of able bodies. And this shows up, it's also a, a, a system of oppression against disabled people that keeps them down and keeps them out of sight and out of view. And so when it comes to sex, there's this long-held assumption that disabled people are not sexual. Mm-hmm. They can't have sex. They don't want to have sex. That sex is painful for them. Um, sex is not enjoyable. It's not worth having sex with a disabled person because you won't enjoy it. So all of these ideas kind of culminate into sexual ableism, which is this idea that we don't consider people sexual or when we're having sex with them, we'll make comments like like me as a penis-having person that sleeps with other, other penis-having people. I get constantly all the time. So you're in a wheelchair. Does your dick work? And it's always like, well, right, yeah. But even if my dick didn't work, don't I still deserve pleasure? Right. Like, yeah. Don't I still deserve intimacy? Don't I still deserve connection? And this idea that I remember one time I was talking to a really famous porn star who I won't name, but I was talking to a really famous porn star for an interview, and I said to him, "Would you have sex with a disabled person?" And he said, "Oh no, I probably wouldn't enjoy myself." Oh. And I said, "Oh, why?" And he goes, "Oh, well, you know, you can't do very much." And I went. <laughs> And I was like, oh, all right. And it was kind of shocking. But it, I share that story to highlight that this idea that disabled people are not sexual is very widespread. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's anyone's fault. I just think the information that we've received is 200 years outdated. Mm-hmm. And we don't really, and we're afraid to bring it up because we don't want to be offensive. Yeah, yeah. And I think as I've been having conversations with people about their ideas of free sex, a lot of it um, sometimes comes down to uh, having the perfect body uh, in all sorts of different ways, not just like, you know, in terms of like conceived, preconceived ideas of beauty, but also um, functionality and things like that. Um, And uh, so I think that's kind of, that's very much like probably an able-bodied approach to thinking about it and your approach is obviously from the other side which is the removal it's about the removal of the things that uh the removal of the way that people care about having the perfect body and the which yeah. is ableism right and i mean yeah exactly and i would be i would be remiss to say that i don't suffer from the same mm-hmm. ideas about what the perfect body is when i look at my body i go oh nobody's gonna want me look at my disabled body look at my curved spine look at my mm-hmm you know, belly that sticks out a little bit because I can't work out. Look at Mm -hmm. my, look at all the things that make my body disabled. No one's going to want that. So Mm -hmm. even though I I speak quite freely about how we should not have ableism, I am certainly affected by internalized ableism when it comes to sexuality. Right. For sure. So can you say a little bit more about the, 
um, the sex that you've had and that you've uh, tried to have um, uh, and and how you've encountered ableism through doing that. Yeah, I mean, the biggest story that I can share with you that I tell all the time, but I'll tell again. Mm-hmm. The biggest story that I can share is when I first had sex for the very first time, I met somebody online mm-hmm. to have sex with, and I was living in, in, in my university at the time. Mm-hmm. And I met them online. They came over. We had sex. I finished early because I'd never been touched before, so I was very excited. <laughs> and so when we were done, I said to him, oh, you made me come. Um, are we going to go on our date now? And he said, what do you mean date? And I said, well, we just came all over each other. Are we not going to go have coffee now? Is that not what happens? Mm-hmm. I was very naive. And he <laughs> said, oh, no, 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 no. I came by because I felt I felt bad for you. I noticed you were in a wheelchair and I wanted to help you out. Uh, okay. And that was my very first, like, brush with ableism and sexuality for real right and realizing that like oh people don't uh, my body is different and my experience is going to be vastly different and ever since then with every kind of sex that i've had um you know aside from the ones that i pay for but even with the ones that i pay for um sometimes there's there there's a, a level of ableism and and discomfort because most people have never been with a severely disabled person like me and that's scary for them yeah yeah and how did it change after that was at university how did it change or stay the same what other experiences did you have and how did that evolve over the next few years I mean I've I've had many sexual experiences since (laughs) and I will after then because I'm I like sex a lot good yeah Uh, (laughs) but but um I you know the ableism never really goes away even if yeah. The person is totally lovely and we have a great time. In my head, the internalized mm. ableism is going, well, I can't do this. They won't like me. They're never going to really enjoy me. They're just going to do it because they feel obligated. Like yeah. that experience that I had in university, which is now literally 20 years ago, I still feel it's the effects of that ripple all the time when I yeah. engage with someone sexually because every time I try to engage sexually, whether it be through an app or whether it be in person, I met with some level of ableism. Yeah, yeah. What about um, when you say a bit more about meeting people in person? Like, is that um, go ha- like going to, um, I don't know, what, what are gay bars like? What are other kinds of bars and different kinds of spaces like? Yeah, gay bars are not accessible for the right. most part. Yeah. So I can't access them, which yeah. is a shame because I, I would like to. And when they are accessible... I'm also met with people being unsure of how to talk to me, unsure of how to, what to say. Yeah. They don't really know how to engage with me. So even if I can't get in the club, that's great. But the attitudes towards me are still the same. Yeah. Because of all the stuff I spoke about a minute ago, of all yeah. the, the misinformation we've received around disability and sexuality, nobody really knows how to engage with me because, and also they assume that I'm a lot of work, which is true. My disability requires that you're going to have to do more and think more and be more cautious about the kind of ways you engage with the body. But that doesn't mean that I can't give and receive pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then maybe um, you mentioned about sex work earlier about um, that you've, that you, was there a moment when you decided to switch and um, stop paying for sex more? Tell me about that moment. Yeah. I hadn't had sex for about, uh, 10 months at that point and yeah. I was feeling really touch starved I really wanted some touch I wanted 
I just wanted to feel to connect with my masculinity and make weirdness. And I wanted to like rub one out with a dude, frankly. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, so I, I was like, well, I'm not meeting people the conventional way. And every time I go on an app, I'm being given some ableist trope and I'm tired of that. What do I do? How do I, how do I, how do I change that for myself? And mm-hmm. so I, I looked at my bank account and I was lucky enough and privileged enough to have some money sitting there because mm-hmm. I know a lot of disabled folks live on next to nothing. So I was very lucky that given that I'm a consultant and work freelance, I can afford to do that when I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, well, let me just try. Let me just find somebody and try. And it was really scary because I had been raised with the same ideas about sex work that most most of us had in the in the mid mm-hmm. to, in the early two thousands. You know that sex work is for down and out people, for drug addicts, for all the stuff that is not true, mm-hmm. but that we were fed about sex. So my the whole idea, and then there was the shame of like. Well, you can't have sex the regular way. You have to pay somebody to be there. Right. Nobody nobody actually wants to be with you. You have to pay. And that was that felt hard mm-hmm. to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. and but I just decided I was like, fuck it, I need to get laid. I need yeah. this. This is now this has gone from a want to I genuinely need to like get off before I can't, you know, before I get really depressed. I'm going to just do it. And I bit the bullet and I hired somebody. And how did you go about finding them? I went on, I don't know if I can say, I'll say, okay. you can, <laughs> uh, I went on rent men, okay. which is like a, a gay male escort site. And you can yeah. like choose and, and contact workers that work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found somebody that I thought was hot. And I said, have you ever been with a wheelchair user before? And, they said no, and I said, great, let me teach you, which I was excited by because it's like, cool. If you haven't been, you ha- don't have a preconceived idea of how this will work, which is great because I can teach you, which I think is sexy and fun. Let me just do that. And so we did. Um, the first sex worker that I worked with, we had a couple sessions, and I thought it was going really well. And then he was allowing me to prepay, and he... One day I had prepaid him for like six or seven sessions in mm-hmm. advance and he walked away with the money and stopped talking to me. So oh, my very first, yeah, my very first experience was not great. Um, he stole about 5k from me right? and I was like quite upset because I was like, that's a lot of money that I gave to you out of trust. Yeah. And so I was like, well, this is fucking hard. This is like, doesn't work for me. And I did the, I, I mistakenly got too attached because for me, sexuality is so rare and the the chance to access my, my sexuality is rare. Yeah. So I got too attached and I, I wanted to believe that, yes, it's a job, but you and I are more than that. And so I think he took advantage of that, of my excitement over that and then then basically stole money from me. Oh, that's so awful. And also because you were, maybe the attachment was because it was a, you know, it was a repeating thing. As well, so you you're kind of able to um, s- start like planning and imagining things in your in your yeah, mind about what and, might happen, and you and you put the barriers down, and you know yeah. they get to know you, and you get to know them. But you, you know, I, I constantly have to remind myself, yeah, they're friendly, and yeah, that's great, but it is also their job. It's what they're they're being paid to 
provide you with service, and that includes being nice to you to yeah. to make it go, which can which is a bit jarring when you look at it that way, but that's what it was happening. And how now that you've done more work with more sex workers, how do you like evaluate the level of ableism in general among sex workers compared to other people who are not sex workers that you've encountered and had sex with? I mean, I've had sex with a couple sex workers that were super ableist. Again, okay. they didn't mean to be. They just were. Yeah. Um, and so I decided not to work with them. But the one yeah. I see now, my friend John, uh, we've worked together for almost six years. And it's wow. really, really comfortable because we text quite frequently. We talk, you know, mm-hmm. as often as we can outside of the work. And when he can come over, we like most of our sessions now are instead of like, let's have hot sex and then you leave. He'll come over and we'll watch a movie and we'll like have a sleepover. And it's literally us just sleeping in a bed together. Right. Being with each other, enjoying that. And then maybe we'll have sex occasionally. Right. That like that intimacy is almost better than like, let's have all the hot sex and then leave. Right. It's almost it's better with the intimacy because because of my disability. And because I'm on social assistance, I can probably never get married because mm-hmm. I'll lose my benefits. I can right. probably never have a proper relationship because of all the the care that I require. So it's nice to kind of play in that world a little bit and have somebody be like, no, I want to sleep over with you and spend time with you yeah. this way um, and watch, you know, TV together and cuddle and fall asleep like that. There's something really nice about that. Yeah. And it's. I mean, it's great that you're um, you're just the kind of person who, in a way, like w- was wanting to. Um, I, mean, I don't know whether it's your number one thing that you want to do, but when you when that you reached out to that first sex worker and you said, you know, like, look, you haven't done this before. I'm in. I'm I'm into telling you what you need to do and to to, to like explain yeah. to you about how this might work. Obviously, a lot of people just really wouldn't want to do that um, because they're like, well, it shouldn't be my job to explain this to to a sex worker like if they want to do their job right they you know it's their duty to do that yeah um and i think well i think you know i think the idea that in in all the work i do as a consultant i put myself in a position where i invite questions and i invite learning and i invite people to to and i i've created a job for myself because i'm a disability consultant but I'm, i'm freelance so i do it for myself when i can yeah. Um, and and in doing so, I've asked I've asked people to ask me questions. And yeah. on my podcast that I run, Disability After Dark, um, I have a series where I talk to queer, non-disabled men, and I ask mm-hmm. them what would happen if you became disabled tomorrow. How do you think you'd feel about that? And I get them to go through kind of how their fear around it, the questions they yeah. might have, and I really get them to open up. And I think. I think the whole idea of it's not my take on it's not my job is mm-hmm. no, it's not your job. You're right. But it is your opportunity. Right. And it's your opportunity to change somebody's worldview. Right. In a split second. How what a powerful opportunity that is to, to change somebody's mindset. That's I think that's such a cool thing. And I'm really grateful that I get to do that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, you're amazing at it. <laughs> like it's what you do. It's you've developed such amazing skills to do it. And it's just great. It's great that you do it, really. Um, and you're so oh, thank like, you. yeah, <laughs> um, it's really great to talk to you about this. Um, 
and yeah it's like it's just just great to hear you explain this and talk about this um and the work that you do um just to jump back to sex work i'm interested in just hearing a little bit more about that because i think um it's one of those things where a lot of things are a lot of people know that disabled people have like really specific needs to do with other parts of their health and their well-being but i think a lot of people don't really include sex in in that um what's your experience of of that of which part people people not thinking that yeah that sex is part of your well-being and your and your overall health and that it's not just about making sure that you have the right wheelchair if you're a wheelchair user or the right uh medication if you need that but it's you know sex is another thing that you might need Oh, I mean, I wish it was de. I wish sex work was decriminalized. I know they do it in. Right. Uh, I know it's. I know they have stipends in Denmark and Australia, and they have options on disability insurance schemes to allow you to hire a worker if you want to. And I think that's such a valuable thing. And I think you know it shouldn't be something that we're still hemming and hawing about. And in yeah. Canada, like I know where I live. I know that in Canada it's okay to be a sex worker, but it's illegal to hire said worker. Like what? That's such right. a weird, it's so weird. And so like when I talk about sex work, you know, I always look around my shoulder and be like, is the, is the government listening? Cause- Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Right. But I also think it's such a need. Like, yeah. there's something really valuable about saying i want to come today yeah i need to i'm gonna hire somebody to do that like there's yeah. something and i like and when i say hire i don't mean like i'm gonna hire them and i'm gonna make them do what i want i'm yeah. gonna what i mean is i'm gonna work with them to build a relationship that's comfy and there's something really um i think really freeing about like oh my goodness this person is touching me because they want to, even though yeah. I'm paying them and even though it's transactional, they yeah. genuinely want to be here. And with John, my primary worker, like he wants to be here. Like most of the time he'll yeah. come over and he'll clean my house for the first hour that we hang out. And he'll right. like chat with me and we'll have, you know, tea or we'll have dinner together or something. Yeah. And it's very like, it's not, okay, I'm here to blow you. I'm going to do my job and leave. Like <laughs> yeah. some people want that, but I'm more like, let's, if I because of my disability, I have to trust people a lot more. Yeah, because I have to trust that they're safe and comfy, and he really knows how to to make this experience feel really safe and comfortable. And so I almost don't enjoy hiring others because I don't always have that camaraderie with them, and with him I do. It sounds like the sex with John is the freest sex you've had. Would you agree? Yeah, I would say it's the best sex I've had in my life, to be honest. Okay. It's because, and not necessarily because of what we're doing and yeah. the sex per se, but yeah. the emotional connection that comes along with it. Yeah. 
But, you know, when, when I was first working with John, I would sometimes text him 20, 30 times a day. And he'd have to be like, he eventually was like, whoa, man, I love working with you. But like, we got to we got to <laughs> right. slow it down a little bit and give me time to have a life. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I really admire him for setting that boundary because mm-hmm. it reminded me that, yeah, he can do all this and he can open up this world for me. But he's a person outside of this. Yeah. And. I have no control over that. And I, I had to kind of let that go. And I remember getting really mad at first being like, well, if you're going to, if you're going to say that, then I'm going to just stop. And he goes, no, 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 don't, right. you know, don't be like that. Think about what I'm saying. I'm saying like, I'm into you and yeah. I like this, but I can't be texting you yeah, all day, every day. I have a life. And so that was a nice kind of like reminder to me of like, oh, okay. But also there was a bit of sadness of like, if I wasn't hiring somebody and if, if they were really into me, mm-hmm. maybe I wouldn't feel like, Oh, this is transactional. Like there is, there is a grief of realizing that the only way that I can engage in sex comfortably is through transaction. And that can feel hard. Yeah. Although, I mean, there are just, everyone has different boundaries about, about this. And you might, you know, you might kind of get into a relationship with someone who's not a sex worker, and then you're coming on strong, and they're really into you, but they don't express it in 30 text messages every day or something. Yeah. You know, everyone's yeah. got different styles and, anyway. And I think, it, again, and I think that moment was a nice, like, hey, Andrew, it's okay to be excited, but you yeah. don't always have to, like, constantly express how excited you are, because it can be a bit like, whoa. Yeah. So it was a nice... It was a nice reminder, but it also reminded me that like this was the first time that I really got to do that. Yeah. So it took me a minute to to kind of acclimate to like, he's a person, I'm a person, and you're allowed to have separate lives. Yes, exactly. Is there any movement in in Canada where you are for sex work to be included in health insurance or in you know schemes for disabled people? Like you said, it it is included in. I think did you say Denmark and Australia? Is there Denmark and Australia, yeah. yeah. Um, I wish it was. We in, we're in Canada. We just um, they had a vote, and they voted that sex work is still is still. I don't think it was. I don't want to speak of a term, but something like it was still not okay to be fully a sex worker, and it was still okay, not fully yeah. decriminalized. So I don't right. think we're any closer to that, and I don't think we will be for a long time. Yeah. Um. Let's talk about sex toys because you started a business making sex toys for disabled people. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. My <laughs> sister and I started the. Our oh, it's your sister's your business we, partner. That's amazing. Yeah, she she's the she is the driving force, and I'm the pretty face. Uh, <laughs> and so she, we started a company called Bumpin' in, in 2020, where we were working to create the first line of sex tech for and by disabled people. Specifically, yeah. our first product is the bump and joystick, which looks like if you married a foam roller and a body pillow and put them together, okay, it would look like that. And it's designed for people with limited dexterity. Yeah. So the top part is a pillow, and you hold on to it like this. And yeah. I'm, I'm doing a like I'm hugging my chest. Yeah. And then you would have a bottom piece that's like a peg that yeah. you could put sex toys into. To hold the sex toy in place yeah. for you to fuck yourself, basically. And um, what is going wrong with capitalism and all the existing sex toy companies that have been there for so long where they're not thinking about this kind of 
design for disabled people. Oh, well, we, you know, this kind of design is from the ground up. So from the beginning of the project, we brought in disabled people. We brought in, we, we advised them. We did it from what I like to call a disability driven lens. Okay. So it's disability driven design. Okay. And so disability is the, is the first thing we think of. And then we think of the problem and then we think of how to fix it. So, so it came from Andrew's disabled. Mm-hmm. Can't use his hands to jerk off anymore because my hands are are spastic and it can hurt sometimes to do that. Yeah. And so I was visiting Australia where my sister lives and I was telling her that I couldn't jerk off anymore. And she goes, oh, well, there must be toys on the market. And I said, well, not really. A lot of the toys have small buttons and I don't have enough dexterity for that. And what do yeah. I do? And so we were talking some more about it. And she goes, well... There's got to be something we can do. Did you want to make one? And at first I was like, do I want to make a sex toy with my sister? <laughs> mm. and, she, and she too was like, do I want to make a sex toy with my brother? Mm, don't know about that one. Um, but then we did a survey and 92% of people we spoke to, of the 100 people we spoke to said, it's about time there's a toy like this. Yeah, and sixty-three percent of people we spoke to said, uh, "I have trouble masturbating because of my hands." So we realized that those numbers translated to hundreds of thousands of people worldwide yeah. who couldn't jerk off. And so we were like, "Oh, this is bigger than us. Let's work on that." Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean that's just such a such a great need clearly isn't it and it's just one of those things that it's like it took until 2020 for someone to actually try and do that yeah um, i mean, I, mean I, I think there were i think there were attempts but i think the problem is that my role with the company is chief disability officer which means that from the beginning of, of whatever we do i'm i'm included on emails right. i'm in meetings i yeah. get to put my input and everything and i think a lot of these companies don't sit with disabled people and say, how do we make this go for you? Or they'll consult with them but not pay them. And it's right. like, well, how are they supposed to consult you if you don't help them buy dinner? Like they need, right. you know, and so these companies don't pay. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we consulted with one or two. Like I know in the UK where you are right now, totally off topic. I'm going to veer. I'm going to veer <laughs> completely the other way for a second. Go I know there's a campaign there right now called um, Ask, Don't Assume that just launched over right. in the UK. And I'm over here in Canada, and I can tell you from following the disability activists on Twitter that are talking about it over there, they're not happy about it because it's like, and it says right on the, right on the, one of the posters, consulted with disabled people. And everyone's like, who, which disabled people, like who, who agreed to this? Right. Because campaigns like that are like, and their, their contention with it is like, oh, um, if you ask, if you feel comfortable to ask me invasive questions about my disability just at random that's kind of horrible and so like again when you say consulted with disabled people tell me who and tell me what they were asked and tell me why you know so i think that a lot of disability activism is like or not not disability activism but um consultation with dis- with disabled people yeah needs to be vetted way more than it is yeah and um yeah it's a bit know, of a with, wild with... west isn't it especially because they're because 
consultants, dis disability consultants, it's the same with diversity consultants and other kinds of consultants. They're, they're all freelance, they're all self-employed. And there's not yeah. some kind of like, as far as I know, like uh, overarching body Governing or, body. or reg yeah. regulation or anything like that. So, you know, if you're a company and you're, you're, you're wanting to be perceived to have consulted, then you could just hire, hire somebody and say that you did it. And there's no, you know, that, that could just yeah. be anybody. And like every, every disability consultant, myself included, comes with their own biases and their own, our own yeah. prejudices and our yeah. own ideas about the world. And so it's important when big government campaigns, especially over there with the government, like it's great that you're doing that, yeah. I think. But like also, did you talk to the disabled people about what they actually want? I know over there, like maybe what they want is to not have a PIP assessor come yes. into their house every six months and like yeah. check if they're really disabled like maybe like maybe you should consult about that before you yeah make a campaign that doesn't actually work and all the dehumanizing paperwork that people have to do uh here to get the the pip the pip um yeah this this yeah the social allowance um uh so i, I want to talk also um kind of about your broadening out the consultancy that you've done yes okay we've got sex toys we, we've got um we talked about campaigns and then also uh about um the media and uh, entertainment because you are just having conversations with anybody and, and and everybody and people come to you and say we're doing a new tv show um and so tell me about that experience like what tv have you consulted on and what has been your experience yeah. of that? Yeah, I've done for I've done a couple like TV consultancies in Canada, some shows in Canada. Um, one called Womb Envy, all about disability. Well, well, not necessarily about disability, but there was a disabled character in there they wanted consultation on. Um, mm -hmm. But the big one that I've done, probably the biggest TV consultancy I've done, was for the reboot of Queer as Folk that came out last year right. and got cancelled immediately after its first season. <laughs> but, but I was very lucky to be asked to do that. The producer, Stephen Dunn, came to me and said, like five years ago, and said, we want to reboot this show. Mm -hmm. um, we would love to have you on as a consultant and read the scripts and give us feedback and suggest ideas. And that was really cool because it didn't mean that everything that I was going to say that I was going to suggest would happen, but I got to give input and I got to get paid for that. So that was, I liked that. And then they came to me when they finally started shooting and said, okay, we're going to shoot it soon. Can you read all of the scripts and give all your ideas for every script? So I knew what was going to happen in the story before the world did. Cool. And then as they were shooting one of the scenes where they're having a wheel, uh, disability sex rave party i had given i had told them that i had run a party like that in toronto about eight years ago i ran one like the first one in the world and it was called a disabled sex orgy by the press it was not a disabled <laughs> sex orgy right but the press ran with that which was great because it gave us publicity lots of publicity and so I, yeah so i had done something like that and then, so they said oh could we write that in the script and if we did would you want to act in that scene? And I was like, oh God, what? Wow, cool. And so I was like, of course I do, sure. Um, so they invited me down to New Orleans where they filmed and mm -hmm. I got to do a scene or two and 
I got to consult and it was really fun to be there and to know that my work would be on TV for millions to watch. Right. And and thinking about this big question of like what does free sex look like? What does what do you think that that means to have a scene like that in a show like that in terms of getting us all closer to that goal of free sex? Oh my god, it means it meant so much to me to have a severely disabled person. Like there's there was a scene in the show I don't think, I think they cut away, but there was a scene where somebody had to pretend to be eating me out in my sling, in my like disability sling. Right. And so I had to sit in my disability sling <laughs> and pretend to be like eaten out by somebody, which was hilarious to do on camera. <laughs> but so, you know, to know that a severely disabled person was on TV being shown to have pleasure, that there's yeah. something really, really important about that. Yeah. I'm forever grateful that I got to do that. Even if, we, even if it only showed for like two minutes, yeah. great, who cares? I did it. Right. And But what needs to happen, do you think, in the TV and film industry to keep that ball rolling? Disable people behind the camera. Okay. Disable yeah. people in the writer's room. Disable yeah. people directing, um, consulting, acting. But, and, you know, I think that some of the disability stories don't always have to be about disability. Yeah, like, of course. You can just have you can have a disabled character that is just disabled. Period. And what are the what are some good examples of that that you've seen? Um one of my favorites and I spoke with the actor George Ross Robinson a couple of years ago for my show. One of my favorites has been Sex Education. Ah, okay. Um the yeah. character of Isaac has been one of my absolute favorites because he was he's not the main character although i wish he was he's mm-hmm. a great character um he the the actor is genuinely disabled and talks about ableism throughout the, his whole arc mm-hmm. as a character and that that i think was so powerful and i think just seeing that on tv yeah is for audiences really important to be like oh this character said this great yeah exactly exactly and it's just an example of something that can, I hope, get us all closer to that goal of have of, of free sex, really. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, do you have anything else to add, Andrew, or should we wrap it up there? I mean, I can say I'll just plug myself. I guess. Please plug yourself. Exactly. That you should follow me. At my you should follow my work, AndrewGerza.com. Listen to my. Uh, weekly podcast which is taking a bit of a hiatus right now because i'm i'm writing a book but okay. if you want to listen to disability after dark uh there's plenty of episodes up there already yeah to listen back to yeah there's like 340 something episodes up there wow. you, 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 a nice backlog for you um <laughs> i'm pretty prolific on social media i talk about disability a lot on there yeah. um if you go to my website all my links are there i'd love to chat with you great thank you so much what's the book can you what can you say something uh, about the book? I can say I can say <laughs> it'll be out next year, hopefully, fingers crossed. Okay. Um it's called so right now it's called Notes from a Queer Cripple. Okay. Um and I talk pretty frankly about my sex life. I've only written the first chapter, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm gonna be headlong into it pretty soon. Okay, right. So you're you're really going into the into the sex memory archive. Gonna go deep. Yeah, Sounds great. <laughs> and just pulling pulling all this about, and then also offering disabled folks, disabled queer folks, advice, stories, that kind of stuff. 
Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking this time, Andrew, to talk to us about free sex. It's been lovely. Uh, thank you for having me. It was so lovely to be here. Wow, I learned so much from that conversation. I really want to thank Andrew for taking the time to share those thoughts with me. If you want to get in touch with them or find out more about their work, you can visit their website, which is just andrewgerza.com. And Gerza is G-U-R-Z-A. Thanks for listening to this episode. Let me know what you think of free sex, the idea, or the podcast. Leave me a review and a star rating if you can. On social media, I'm at Adam Smith. Yes, that's Smith, but with a Z or a Z. Yeah, Smith. Mm. <laughs> it feels good in the mouth. <laughs> you can find more Aunt Nell productions on our website, auntnell.com. And on social, we're at auntnell underscore. The theme music is Trans Life by Othon. Hosted, produced and edited by Adam Smith. And the executive producer for Aunt Nell is Tash Walker. To all you loves and lovers, good night. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 